Hey everyone, Jeremy L. Jones here, author of Ruins of Empire. I am recording this on May of 2019, and it has been one hell of a month. We're putting the finishing touches on the next book of the Ruins of Empire series, Templum Venerus, and working toward a pre-release campaign starting next month. To get the latest news on Templum Venerus, including how you can support the Ruins of Empire series and score a copy before anyone else, you can keep an eye on this feed or you can go to www.ruinsofempirebook.com. There you can sign up for our newsletter and get all the latest as well as content you can't find anywhere else. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Ruins of Empire. In the meantime, we continue with a series of short stories from The Darkness of Titan. This, of course, is the prequel to the events of Saturnius Mons. In last month's episode, the first Houston seized control of the colony by modifying hazard suits to create the Venganto and used them to drive away attackers that were looking to take control of the colony for a rival corporation. And now, the fourth story of The Darkness of Titan, the first of a two-parter, Lionel, Part 1. From the Personal Diary of Dimitri Paris Before I met Lionel, I was Perfenduloi, wretched, evil. The Houston's teachings remind us daily about the evil our parents or grandparents brought to Titan. Our ancestors called the demons from the sky and begged them to destroy everything Compagnio gave us. Their sin was so great that my generation still bears its burden. The Houston repeated the stories over and over again. During every sunrise and sunset, he spoke to us over the old video screens in the center of the city. The guards gathered us there so the dear leader could look down on us. His sermons played on a loop through the speakers in the refineries. Through work, the metallic voice declared. Your sins are purged. Work hard and Compagnio will welcome you back to earth. Lionel opened my eyes. I didn't think much of him the first time I saw him. I don't know where he came from. He just appeared, as if Earth itself sent one more of its children to Titan. He was a tall man, well-fed and strong. To those of us the guards starved in the refineries, he looked like something from another world. The foreman would regularly gather us together and shave our heads, yet Lionel somehow had golden hair that hung past his shoulders. His eyes were deep blue like the oceans our ancestors left behind on Earth. When I dared look him in the eye, I felt he knew more about who I was than I ever would. For the first several weeks, he said nothing to anyone. In fact, I wondered if he had lost the ability to speak or just didn't know our language. He did the job I assumed the masters had assigned him. He brought the workers tools, materials, or water. He chipped in to move heavy metal drills and shafts. He appeared to work with autonomy, as if moving to a master that only he could see. The first time he spoke to me, I was repairing one of the pumps which had malfunctioned. While trying to pry off a panel, a tool slipped and I made a deep cut across my palm. When he heard my pain, Lionel came to me. He took my hand and wrapped it in a clean cloth. He looked into my eyes and whispered, The Compagnio has heard your cry. You will be free of these pretenders and the holy city they make rotten with their presence. I don't know why I believed him, but as he bound my hand, 
I knew that our labors in this place would soon be over. From the official reports of Head Officer Elias Crispin. At this time, it is unclear when or how the agitator appeared. He says that his name is Lionel, although there's no record of that name in any of the rosters. That, of course, is not uncommon. The record-keeping in recent years has become unreliable, and it doesn't matter who these people are anyway. What matters is they do what the Companio demands of them. And, as an ordinary porter, he appeared to. There were never any complaints from the foreman on work sites, no indication that he would shirk his duty. But it became clear to us that, as he met with various workers, he would whisper filthy, horrible lies about the Houston, the city, and the Companio itself in their ears. The remedy was fairly straightforward. As a porter, he could move more or less as he liked. He could spread his lies like a diseased insect flying from host to host. So I had my men take him to work in one of the pump houses. There, he would be isolated from the rest of the workers. I did not anticipate what he would do next. From the personal files of Hari Sharuk. A man spoke today. He was nothing special by the look of him. He wore... Plain, brown clothing as the rest of us. Just an ordinary worker. But the way he spoke was more compelling and more inspiring than anything that Houston could ever dream up. I don't know how it started. I was walking from the bunks to start my shift at Master Control when I saw him. He was standing on an overturned equipment crate, but he might as well have commanded the stage at City Theater. The other workers stopped to watch as he preached. He loudly proclaimed that Houston knew nothing of the true Companio. He said that my ancestors did not call demons to Titan, but the Houston and his people. He claimed that it was the Houston who prevented earthbound ships from arriving so that he could continue to rule and enslave our people. Before the guard pulled him down and began beating him, I felt something that I had never felt before. I don't know when I gave up on being free. I was born Perfenduloi, and I suppose I felt a life of servitude was my destiny. My father fought against the Houston once. I was just a child at the time. He was killed by the Venganto, and since that day I never questioned why. Until now. From the Administrator Logbooks from Brodsdusht, November 10th, 42AH, 2nd Cycle. Agitation continues to grow inside the ranks of the workers. According to guard reports, one even became bold enough to stand and deliver a speech against the Houston. He was promptly removed and disciplined by the guards. This is the first such incident, although I fear it will not be the last. I have recommended that Head Officer Crispin be more aggressive with anyone caught speaking against the Houston and the Companio. Being Perfenduloi himself, however, I wonder how reliable he will be. From the personal diary of Dimitri Paris. But Lionel would not be dissuaded so easily. The next day he came back to the same spot. He had bruises on his arms where he tried to defend himself, and one eye was swollen shut, but somehow none of that mattered when he began to speak. He said that we were wrongfully enslaved by the Houston and the other pretenders in the city. He said that Companio had heard our plight, and they had sent him to rescue us. He went on to tell us that our hardship, our suffering, and our toil was not in vain. Companio honored us for what we endured. We were not slaves, but heroes that would keep Titan alive, even as liars and usurpers fought to destroy our world through their greed and indifference. He said that it was Urbanoi, those who lived in and profaned the sacred city, 
who were evil in the eyes of Companio. About that time, guards arrived, and though a few of us tried to stop them, they swarmed around the crate, pulled him down, and began beating him with clubs. The whole time they abused his body, he didn't cry out. When they finally dragged him away, his eye met mine, and he smiled at me. At that moment, I realized that my pain was now his pain. He had taken the horrors of this place on his shoulders, though I didn't know why at the time. From the official reports of Head Officer Elias Crispin. The agitator returned to the same spot, and once again he spoke profanity about the Houston and the Companio. When my men found him, they proceeded to punish him harshly, but what good will it do? The agitator obviously does not care about his well-being or the pain in his body. I feel we could beat him until he dies and accomplish nothing, except give the workers the perfect reason to revolt. The administrator must understand this as well. He rescinded his order to crack down on such demonstrations and, instead, ordered us to tolerate them. We have been allowed to give him thirty minutes to speak, at which time my men are to take him away. We have been ordered to use force only if he resists, and even then only enough to make him compliant. I must admit that, as Perfendulo myself, it does my heart good to hear somebody claim that we are something besides evil souls cast into slavery to repent for the evils our ancestors committed. I love the Houston, but what if all this suffering has been for nothing? From the personal files of Harish Rook, I couldn't believe it when I saw Lionel standing before us on the third straight day. His face was swollen. He appeared to have trouble breathing, or at least every breath caused a great deal of pain. But his speech was no less stirring. He said freedom was coming to us soon, that the Companio would guide us. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw guards approaching. I started to walk away, as I didn't think I could endure the sight of what would surely be this man's death at the hands of those guards. But, to my surprise, they just stood to the side and watched. Lionel continued. He called the Houston and those who lived in the city foul and profane people. He described these refineries as nothing less than the most evil work. With every word, I watched the guards, expecting them to rush toward the man and stop him from saying such blasphemous things. But they never moved until a certain amount of time had passed. After that, they surrounded him and ordered us back to work. They actually called out, Your thirty minutes are up. Return to your duties. They behaved as if this was just one of our allowed break periods. Thirty minutes for rations, fifteen minutes to rest, thirty to listen to a beautiful, crazy bastard open the skies with his words. I do not know what counts as a miracle, but surely this is the work of someone watching over all of us. From the Administrator Logbooks from Brach Dusht, November 13th, 42AH, 2nd Cycle. Allowing the agitator to speak has had a stirring effect. Productivity within the refineries increased by a respectable 10% after the guards punished him, but when he was allowed a full amount of time and was simply dismissed as opposed to punished, productivity soared past 20%. It might be dangerous in the long term to allow the Perfendulo hope, but is that not what the Houston does with his speeches? Perhaps their Perfendulo minds are too simple to understand the complexities of the Houston's dogma, which explains why this man resonates with them. He speaks in riddles and lies, but they listen and, when they return to their labors, work with renewed vigor. In time, it may become necessary to coach the agitator so that his speeches align closer with the truth, but for now, let him speak. From the Personal Diary of Dimitri Paris 
And just like that, he was gone. Sometime during the second and third shift change, he and about 500 workers vanished. I first learned of it when me and the others on my shift were tossed from our bunks. We stood at attention while the guards walked up and down the bunks, counting as they went. After that, another guard did the same, and another, and another. As the time for our shift drew near, they had to allow at least a skeleton crew to return to work. The rest of us just stood as they counted, again and again. Almost our entire shift passed before we were finally dismissed and sent to work. Nobody mentioned it, but in my heart, I knew what had happened. Lionel always claimed that the Companille would return for their most loyal followers. People were missing because he had kept his word. And when I went back to my daily toils, my heart was filled with grief and anger. Anger at myself for even allowing my mind to question Lionel's words for a second. And grief that I could not be among those he chose to lead away. And yet, I also felt joy and hope. Joy for those he had chosen and hope that he would return and I might prove myself worthy of his love. You've been listening to The Ruins of Empire, The Darkness of Titan, a special release from The Ruins of Empire Project. The Ruins of Empire podcast was written by Jeremy L. Jones and produced by Sean Vincent. Cover art was by Nick Martin. Music was Wounds by Ketza at ketzamusic.com. Licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 license. City of Geeks. Independent new media produced in Idaho.